We talking hoops season two. Let's go. What up, though? It's your coach. Who talks hoops the most? It's Coach Cam with the podcast flow. Jump shot is still wet and the podcast goes. Talking hoops all day, worldwide, across the globe, overseas to the league. Big 10 to the GLIAC, AU to high school and any gym that he at. Highlights, offers, who's about to transfer, was coach getting hired? Coach Cam's got the answer, he's that dude. Too cool, so smooth with the hoop news. Every week we talking hoops, this is season two. So buckle up for this ride, that's what you need to do. Cause we talking hoops, yeah. It's your coach that knows hoops the most. Episode three, you know how it be. We'll be back for another We Talking Hoops podcast. This time I'm coming to you live in effect, right from my own office, man. Had some downtime to talk some hoops, and we're gonna definitely talk some hoops. So we talk some NBA. Of course, we're gonna talk about the Luka and Trey debate. Lakers still up on top. All right, we're going to talk about the rising stars. You got some young guys you need to be paying attention to in the NBA. They're not all league guys, but you need to be paying attention to. So we're going to talk about that. Of course, we're going to cover college, Jawan Howard in Michigan, MSU. We got a new segment to introduce. It's called Home Away. And these are guys that are home getting it done in the Metro Detroit area in college and some guys from here that went away that's getting it done. So we're going to talk about that, too. And it's the high school season, man. It's here. This week is the week. All my high school coaches, I know they're excited because this week is when it's going down. Starting the day and tomorrow, you got games popping off on Friday and Saturday. So we got plenty of high school hoops to cover this week. And I got a segment that I'm going to do in my high school. It's my Flame 5. I'm bringing back my Flame 5. Actually, it's the Flame 6. The Flame Nick 6. All right? And, and, and this Flame Nick 6, the best PSL players I've ever seen. So stick it, stick it tuned for that. That's coming to you down the pipeline. But you know where we're going to start? Got to start with the NBA. And the Lakers are legit. I keep telling y'all every week that the Lakers are legit. Give them their due. Give the Lakers their due. They're 21-3 and three in 24 games. What else they got to prove? They didn't play some of the best teams in the league. We talked about this last week. But they're getting it done, man. They're getting it done. Ain't nobody stopping LeBron and AD right now. That's the best tandem in the league. And if, if I had a vote for MVP right now, I'm going Anthony Davis. I'm going Anthony Davis for MVP. And here's why. He's leading the Lakers in points, rebounds, steals, and blocks. Lakers the best team in basketball. So if they're the best team in basketball, you're the best player on that team. I'm giving you an MVP vote. That's just me, though. But you can easily say LeBron. LeBron leading the league in assists. He, what, 24 and 12 a game? I mean, just, just the game last night. I forget who they blew out. I think it was Denver. I forgot who they played last night. And I'm recording this on Monday, December 9th, okay? It's going to come out today or tomorrow. But the game they played last night, LeBron and AD combined for 82 points. 82 82, two guys, 82 points. Now, a portion of that was AD dropping 50. But not only that, you let a guy drop 50 on you, but you let another guy get 32. Like, some of the defense, some of these guys is playing, I don't, I don't know what the Timberwolves was thinking. I mean, they gave up 149 points in a basketball game. That's insane. I guess you just like, hey, man, just give me the ball back. We just not going to play no defense this, this game. And just go ahead and get your numbers. I'm going to try to get mine. But I'm going to tell you what. AD made Cat look silly. And he made him look like little bro. Like, like they back in Kentucky and they having the open runs, summer runs. And he pick his squad. And he like, man, it don't matter who you got. If you guarded me, it's a bucket. 
That's what that 50 looked like. That 50 looked like I'm big bro, you little bro, and I'm scoring every time I touch it. You better change, you better change this matchup. That's what AD looked like. AD looked like this is a bucket. Guaranteed. All night long. And when you foul me, I ain't missing the free throw. He went 10 for 10 for the free throw line. So AD is legit, man. AD list is legit. And I, I know, I know y'all, I know y'all know that. I'm just reiterating the facts. And the facts are the Lakers right there, baby. The Lakers right there. So as bad as the Warriors are, those fans out in the Bay, they got another team not too far that they can root for right now. I best, best believe it's some ex-Warrior fans that are new Laker fans. Best believe, because they right down the way. Uh, another team, the Rockets. We talked about the Rockets before. Had a chance to watch them this weekend. They played against the Raptors. And the Raptors did something intriguing to me in how to stop James Harden. They, they made it fully official. Okay, James Harden's not going to score 40 on us tonight. And the way that they did that, the moment that James Harden brought the ball up past half court, they double teamed him. Like the moment. Like they wouldn't even let him like put two on him. And, and it kind of looked like how Steph Curry was in college and he was going so crazy with Davidson. I forgot what team they played. He had three guys guarding him at all times. I mean, it was crazy. I never seen nothing like it in the NBA. Well, actually, I had they did AI like this game seven, uh, the NBA finals against Vince Carter. They sent two at AI and he still went for 40. So guys like that, they're going to score. They're going to score. Like, you're not going to stop James Harden from scoring. And the reason why you're not going to stop James Harden from scoring is because you ain't going to stop him from shooting. You ain't gonna stop him from shooting. He's gonna get the ball in his hands and he's gonna get shots. So you and he's gonna take some bad ones just cuz. Like he getting his 20 shots a game. And even they did all this. They built up a 10-point lead at halftime. And the Raptors still lose the game. And you wanna know why they lose the game? Because they had a supporting cast. A supporting cast. Alright? My man Ben McLemore was going crazy at 28. Click Capella. Grabbing boards. Double double. He was putting in work. You had Austin Rivers. He was making shots, getting to the rim, getting layups. I mean, the P.J. Tucker, man, P.J. Tucker is tough. I picked 10 P.J. Tuckers on my – I wouldn't say 10 because, of course, you got to have some point guards, some guards and stuff like that. But P.J. Tucker, that's one tough SOB, man. I ain't messing with him. I ain't messing with him or his shoe collection. His shoe collection game is crazy. If you a sneakerhead and you don't know about P.J. Tucker and his shoe collection, we're a different shoe every game. But, I mean, P.J. Tucker, he, he a tough, he a tough, you know what, you know what I'm saying? Like I said, it's a family podcast, so I ain't going to really go into what he really is. But that boy is a beast. Now, what I really want to talk about here is a debate that a lot of people been having, okay? Luka Doncic is having a phenomenal year, 20 years old, averaging 30 points a game, Nine assists, eight rebounds, almost averaging a triple-double a game. Has double-digit triple-doubles already. Has scored the most points in all this for a guy under 20. I get it. Trey Young, same type of deal. Very young player. Very good stats. Here's the difference between the two for me. Now, give Trey Young his due because nobody thought Trey Young would come into the league and do what he's doing right now. Nobody. Now, if, if you had told me six months ago that Trey Young would come into the league after what he did last year, averaging about 18 a game, and he'll come back and average close to 26, 27 a game, 9, 10 assists, I'd have been like, you a fool. Like, maybe, I, maybe, maybe 22, upper 20s. I mean, he dropped in 30, 35, 40 on cats. 
Here's the difference between him and Luca. For me, okay, Luca has better resources. He has a better team. So if you want to complain about Luca being on ESPN all the time, if you want to complain about Luca being in the front page and always showing his highlights and his team, they winning. They winning. Now, they might not be winning like the Lakers are winning. They still one of the top teams in the West. Still top four or five team in the West. Dallas is. They didn't start out that way. They had to get they had to jail a little bit. They had to play some games. They had to figure it out. But the reason why they talk about Luka and not Trey Young is because the team is better. Atlanta only has four wins. Maybe five. They're in the bottom of the East. The East is already not a good league. Like teams right now, when they play Atlanta, they looking to put up big numbers. They like, oh yeah, I got the we got the Hawks tonight? They're going for 80. Matter of fact, I think Harden, when he had a 60-point game recently, I think it came against the Hawks. People circle the Hawks, so they Hawks is like, oh, yeah, I'm going off on this game. I already know how Hoopers, Hoopers are going to be Hoopers, all right? They don't do that for Dallas. They they look at Dallas like, who guarding Luka? Because um, I ain't guarding them. And it seems like his game... Like, he's not very explosive, he's not very fast, but he's got a high IQ. And he plays in space, and with a ball screen, and the way they guard ball screens in the NBA, and you know how to play in space and have a high IQ like he does, it's hard to guard off a ball screen. And he's got guys around him. He's got Porzingis around him that can make plays. He's got uh, Steph's brother that can make plays, make shots. I mean, they got some pieces that when he comes off a ball screen, he can ditch and, and dunk it to throw it up, all of that. He can, he got guys making plays because he's getting high-level assists too. But the difference between Luka and Trey is Trey is on a bad team. Now, I will say this. The Atlanta Hawks got a lot of young players, really good young players. But what the NBA is going through right now is the phase of all these young players being in the league learning the NBA way that they not necessarily, they didn't stay in college two, three, four years. And the reason why I say that, there was a time when the league was compiled of guys that played college basketball for multiple years. So when they came in the league, they were older players and understand how the game is played and they had different IQs. The IQs of some of these young guys that are in the NBA right now, I'm telling you right now, when I watch some games, I'm like, what are you doing? Like, it's just like, and then I think about it like, oh, dude, 22, 21, one or two years in elite. Didn't play much in college. So guys like Marvin Bagley played one year, one and done. A lot of one and done guys. So if you go, say you go five or six years, right? And you got a multiple, you know, say you got seven or eight guys that are one and done, right? Seven or eight years, seven guys. You're talking about 50 players. And these are top players. These are guys that are with lottery, high lottery, first 10 picks. Talk about almost 50 guys that aren't 22 years old, 23 years old. How do they know how to play basketball like that? They don't. And that's why you have so many scores like that. It's because some of these guys ain't figure out how to check. The NBA is different. The NBA is different from college. There's a lot of space. That floor is big. And you can't stand in the lane, so you can't play zone. And... They calling all the touch stuff, so you really can't. The advantage is to the offense, so you really can't really foul a guy. Can't get up in the guy's grill, put an arm bar on him. You can't do that. So guys are just scoring at a high clip. 
And that's because these young guys ain't figured it out yet. And it might continue this way for a few years. You get all these one-and-done guys. And two years ago, they was playing high school. Trey Young, two years ago, he was playing high school. <clears throat> now you're asking him to guard Russell Westbrook in transition off a ball screen? Whew, good luck. Good luck. Probably ain't going to happen. So that's what the NBA is dealt with. You got all these young players and these guys that don't really fully understand how to play NBA defense yet. And, that, and the vets are taking full advantage. Guys like AD, LeBron, James Harden. They're taking full. Paul George putting up big numbers. Kawhi, he can drop 30 and not play the fourth quarter. Big numbers. Really big numbers. And don't have to put in, you know, all the work because they got these young guys guarding them. Paul George is like, oh, for real? You going to put Young Buck on me? You going to put Glenn Robinson the third on me? Really? Guard me? It's a baby. It's a baby and it's a bucket. So that's, that's really what the NBA is going through right now. Got a lot of these young players. And they don't really fully understand how to talk about how to play defense. But to go back to this Raptors game, the Raptors, they tried to, ch they tried to trap James Harden and it didn't work. They lost the game. And James Harden still scored 23 points on 11 shots. So here's what I'm going to tell the NBA. Stop trying to guard James Harden. Just stop it. He's going to score. He's going to score. Just make sure he don't get 80. Even if he does get 80, stop the other guys. See, I like what the Pistons did back when they played the Lakers. They said, you know what? We, ain't, we can't stop Kobe. We can't stop Shaq. Both of them will get 30 or 40 points. Because what? If we hold them to 90, under 90, that means the other five or six guys didn't do nothing either. That's what they did. They said, we got to score 85 plus, and Shaq and Kobe got to score 80 or less. That's exactly what happened. Both Shaq and Kobe averaged 30-something a game in that series, but that only counted for like 65 points. They didn't score 80 points. Now, the game is different now because you can't guard how... You can't guard in today's game like you can guard then. So I'm not comparing the two. What I'm telling you is this, right? If that happens where you're, you just got one guy that you cannot stop, just let him go. Stop the other guys. So I wish the NBA would stop trying all this gimmick stuff. Just try to stop James Harden. Throw the gimmicks out. Throw the boxing one out of there. Throw the zone out of there. Has some nuts in check, and don't follow him when they do the step back. And if he go off, he go off. But don't let Clint Capella get an offensive rebound. How about that? How about you not let Ben McLemore get an open three? How about you make sure Austin Rivers drives left instead of driving right? Stuff like that. Those are the things that you can control. James Harden going to get his. So stop trying to guard James Harden because he's just going to get his money. He's going to get his. So... You know, we talked about Luka and Trey, and the big difference between the two is Luka's on a good team and Trey isn't. And I want to reward good teams, not just stats, even though everybody's chasing stats in today's game. Everybody's chasing stats. But what you got to understand is at some point the game is going to slow down. At some point the playoffs are going to start, and I know that's all the way in April, and we just here in December. Long way from April. But what I'm telling you is this. The game is going to slow down. Teams are going to figure it out on how to check, how to, figure, how to figure your game out and check a little bit. And until they figure out, until the Hawks really figure out, they're, they're, they're a really young team. They don't really know how to jail. They haven't jailed yet. I mean, the team is just so young. Trey Young is young. Josh Collins is young. Cam Reddish is young. Just a really young team. Like, they got most of their roster is 25 and under. They really could be playing in the NCAA tournament.
playing in college. So the, the Hawks are gonna they're gonna have to figure it out, and it might take them a year. But stop comparing Luca and Trey. They are two totally different teams. One is a good team, one is a bad team. The Dallas Mavericks are a good team. They're one of the Lakers' three losses. They are a good team. Now I'm not saying they're a top team in the West. Damn. No. But they're a good team. They're a good team. And that's why you hear talk about Luca and not talk about Trey. So we're gonna move on. Uh, still stick with the NBA here. My man Mello, baby. My man Mello got the guaranteed deal. Now, two weeks ago, two weeks ago, after his first game, I said, this man went from the couch to starting the NBA game. If a guy can do that, he deserve a deal. I don't care what he doing. He went from the couch to playing 30 minutes in the NBA game. If you can do that and start the guy, if you can do that, pay him his money. And they paying him his money. Fully guaranteed no Fully guaranteed deal. Not sure the specifics of how much money he's making this year, but at the end, it's guaranteed. So you don't have to worry. He don't stress. He didn't relieve the stress off his shoulders. He can just go out there and hoop, which is what he's been doing. He's been hooping. I mean, he was last week, he was the NBA West Player of the Week. 23 a game. 23 and 6, I think it was. I mean, he, he getting it done for a guy that was just... Chilling, watching basketball, everybody else, and he told the ESPN that he was he was ready to retire. He was set to retire, man. We was we was about to let let Melo go. Now, here's another thing I want to say about Melo. I've always been a huge critic of Melo. Let's be clear. I'm glad he's in the league right now. I'm glad he got a fully guaranteed deal. But I've always been a little critical of Melo. Like I've been critical of CP3. Like I've been critical of guys like Tracy McGrady, Charles Barkley. And talented losers. I'm gonna have a segment. Don't know when I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna have a segment called Talented Losers. And these are guys, and I've mentioned it last season, I haven't mentioned it this season. These are guys that are very talented, extremely talented. They ain't winning you your championship. They not even getting you close. And even if they do get you close, they ain't winning it. They ain't winning it. And for me, Melo has been on this list as a talented loser. But I'm excited that he's back in the league after being blackballed for a year. He let this man play 10 games, and then now don't nobody want to sign him. Not even the worst team in the league can give him a deal. All right. He went back in the lab. He went back in the lab and recruits and guys that play basketball. That's what you got to do. When people doubt you, when people don't have respect for your game, when people are you down and out, your back is against the wall, the one thing that you can do is get back in the lab. And that's what he did. Melo went back in the lab and he says, you know what? That's all right. I'm going to get my opportunity. I don't know when. Might, might be in 2019. Might be in 2020. I'm going to get my opportunity. And when I do, I'm going to knock it out the park. And that's what he did for the Blazers. He took advantage of his opportunity. Now he has a guaranteed deal. And the Blazers are getting better. They've won four out of their last five. They're, you know, Dame is not hurt anymore. Now you got Dame, CJ, and Melo. That's a different dynamic because you put those guys on the same side of the floor. You ain't helping off Dame. So if you got if, if Dame is coming off a ball screen, strong as ball screen from Melo who's stretching it. So the big got to stop and then get back to his guy. And on the same side you got CJ and you ain't helping off of him either because it's just too much room. I mean, how you guard that? If you help, you kick it, bang. If the big stay too long, you stretch it, boom, right back to Melo, bang. So like. That dynamic, that three-headed monster, yeah. I mean, I could see them creeping into maybe the eighth seed and being a tough matchup for uh, a one seed. Probably not the Lakers. 
I mean, the Lakers right now are pegged to be the one seed, so I don't see the Lakers struggling with the Blazers. But because the other night, I mean, they beat them by like almost 40. I mean, it was, it was bad. It might have been 40. It was like 30, but it was bad. It was so bad. The commentators weren't even talking about the game anymore. They were talking about previous games that Carmelo had in Denver. Like, they, they, they just beat them bad, like really bad. Like It was tough to watch. But anyway, they're going to be a tough matchup going forward. So you want to pay attention to the Blazers and Carmelo Anthony. But my man got his money, man. He got his money. I can appreciate that. A guy on this grind and a guy that's trying to get his money. So the last thing that we're going to talk about uh, NBA-wise are some rising stars. These are three guys that you need to be watching if you have the opportunity, if you got NBA TV, or, because they're not going to be on ESPN. And uh, they might be on a Fox Sport Network one night. And you be like, let me, let me check this guy out. The first guy you want to check out plays for the Charlotte Hornets, Devontae Graham. 6'3 guard, played at Kansas. Uh, wasn't even the best guard coming out of Kansas. Was a, was a good player in college, really good player in college. But he's starting to, he's starting to get his boogie on. Started, he had three games last week. We had 25 plus. He's averaging 18 and 7. He's only 24. So he just he just reaching his he reaching his peak of his play. And he's been dropping it like it's hot. Dropping like it's hard. Dropping like it's hard. He's been dropping it, man. Devontae Graham, coach. Hey, if you got an opportunity to watch the Charlotte Hornets, yeah, him and Rozier. Whoa. Good luck guarding them two guys. Good luck. You're gonna have a long night. You have a long night if you got to guard either one of them because they coming off of screens, they pulling it from transition, they doing it off the break. I mean, and they kind of they not really big guards. I mean, they like I mean they six two, maybe a little over two hundred pounds. They ain't big guards. They ain't six five, six six, but they quick, they crafty, and they getting buckets. So you need to check out Devontae Graham. He's getting some buckets for the Charlotte Hornets. They they've got that's another team that's got young players. That are trying to figure it out. Marvin Williams is—he's trying to figure it out. But they need one guy to step it up and say, "You know what? I'm gonna be the star. Get on my back and let's ride this train." And Devontae Graham is starting to be that guy. I thought it was gonna be Rozier. I thought when Rozier got traded to Charlotte, I thought it was a great pickup for them. I thought they would follow his lead and I'll say, "You know what? Let's ride that train." But I'm gonna tell you what—that boy Devontae Graham been balling. Boy been balling, balling, balling. So go check out Devontae Graham, Charlotte Hornets. Go check them out. Good team. Good team. They're young. In the East, trying to figure it out. They're young. Okay? Next guy on my list, Kelly Oubre, man. Kelly Oubre, uh, wing from uh, Phoenix Suns, 24 years old. Same age as Devontae Graham. We talked about him from Charlotte Hornets. Very good prospect. Very good prospect out of Phoenix Suns. I don't know how the, the, the Wizards let him go. I, I really don't. If you're the Wizards... How you let Kelly Oubre go to another team and he bringing in 17 and 5? Like, that ain't good enough for you. Like, if he was on the Wizards right now with a healthy Bradley Bill, I mean, whoa, I mean, that would be rough. And, and what was it? Uh, Ryu Hachichimuro, I forget his name, from Gonzaga. I'm, man, I don't know how they let Kelly. I guess they didn't want to pay him, but he in, he's in Phoenix doing work. You hear me? Work. 17 and 5 a game. Sometimes he starts, sometimes he comes off the bench. Uh, for the most part, he's a starter. What kind of helps Kelly Oubre is you have a really, really, really good player in Devin Booker that you can't guard. And he kind of gets some of his game off of him. Meaning that a lot of times the team's focus is on Devin Booker. And trying to stop Devin Booker, how to contain him, keep him out of the paint, try to make him make plays. 
And then he takes a shot. Nobody puts a body on Kelly Oubre. Here we go. Tip dunk. Bang! Right on top of you. Like, he's a guy you really got to respect in a half court. Like, you got to guard him now. He's not really shooting a three at a high clip, but he can make a three. Not one of those guys that you just want to back off of and just be like, make a play. Because he might go right by you and he might put it on your head. Kelly Oubre is a really good prospect for Phoenix. And... They got some tools. The Sun got some tools. You know, like they're, they're like middle of the pack. They're not quite in the playoffs yet, but they're middle of the pack of the teams that might be able to make the eighth seed, eighth, seven or eighth seed if they, they can make a run. And part of the reason why they can make a run is a guy named Kelly Uber. I don't know how Washington Wizards let him go. Man, he's a stud. And the last guy I'm going to talk about is Bam Adebayo from the Heat. Miami Heat, he's averaging 14 and 10, 22. Like I said, these guys are young, man. They young. With the Kansas, well, so really, he was a defensive player and a rebounder. Kansas. Alley, guy, offensive rebounds. They really couldn't throw it to him and get a bucket. But he's been in the lab, y'all. Not quite sure who he's been in the lab with, but he's averaging a double-double. And, and, and his double-double isn't one of those where he's getting a bunch of offensive rebounds, put-back layups. Like, he's able to back you down a little bit, up and under, bam, layup, dunk, offensive rebound. Like, he, he finds ways to get it in, and he can put it on the floor. That's how I know he's been in the lab. I know when guys have been in the lab. I know what guys haven't been in the lab. And it's pretty prevalent. It's pretty easy to see the guys that's been working on their game and the guys that have not. Bam, Bam Bam Bigelow has been working on his game. He's got in the lab this summer. And I need to check out who he was in the lab with because, whew, he averaging a double-double. Now, he's not high points. He ain't averaging 17-18. That's because they got Kevin Butler. I mean, Kevin Butler. Jimmy Butler and Kendrick, Kendrick Nunn, the rookie from Oakland, uh, they're putting up some high numbers. So it's not a whole lot of basketballs to go around. Uh, but I'm telling you, Big Bam, Big Bam, Bigelow, he get it done. He get it done. So those are three guys you need to watch. So if you have the opportunity to watch Miami Heat, don't just watch Jimmy Butler. Okay, when you watch Phoenix Suns, don't just watch Devin Booker. When you watch the Charlotte Hornets, don't just watch Rozier. Devontae Graham, Kelly Oubre, and Bam Adebayo are three rising stars in the NBA. We back, man. That was my NBA segment for the week. You know I got to talk my NBA basketball, man. That's the best basketball in the world. All right, now we got to cover some college basketball. And you know me, I always like to start out with my D2 because I'm a D2 guy. So D2 coach for three years, and I played four years to visit two basketball in the GLIAC. So let's start with the GLIAC. One team that we've been talking about a lot is Fair State. They still rolling, man. They still rolling. They 12 and 1. Not sure if they still ranked. I mean, after losing the game, usually you might drop out of the top 20, 25. So they might be, you know, usually the rankings come out on Tuesday. So you're going to find out where they're ranked nationally. Uh, as of right now, they aren't. You know, I'm not sure if their ranking has changed, but they're still, still 12 and 1. 2 0 in the GLIAC. They had two big wins, including one of them over Ashton of Ohio. And Ashton was ranked number 10 in the country. And they, it was, they just did their thing with them. They, they beat them up pretty convincingly. And even though they had a battle with Wayne State, so they started out 2 0. And how, this is how conference play goes for the GLIAC and most NCAA schools. They played either Thursday, Saturday, or Friday, Sunday. 
Uh, even HCC, sometimes they play Sunday games or a Monday game. Uh, but they usually play Thursday, Friday, and they play another game Saturday or Sunday. For the GLIAC, the majority of the time is Thursday, Saturday, Thursday, Saturday, Thursday, Saturday, once the conference play starts and conference play has started. So you're starting to see what teams are legit, trying to see what teams are at the top, what teams are in the middle of the pack, and what teams they got some ways to go. And I'm going to tell you right now, Ferris, they still rolling, man, 90-something points a game. Walter Kelser has been giving, giving it out. But I tell you what, Cole Walker, Cole Walker has been getting it done. He's been very effective for them as well. So those are two guys that you got to stop on a nightly basis. You know your scouting report. If I'm a coach, number one is Walter Kelso. How are we going to contain him? And how are we going to contain Cole Walker? Because he out here, he hitting threes, he getting putbacks. He doing it all. So Fair State, two, the, the win against Ashton is really huge. And this is why. It's a regional win, even though it's a league win. They're ranked in the country. So you already got to win over a ranked team in your region, in your conference, that's going to be a lot of points when it comes down to making the NCAA tournament, which I don't think Ferris is going to have a problem with if they continue the route that they're going. If they continue to score 90 points a game, it ain't too many GLIAC teams that can, that can put up with that. It ain't too many GLIAC teams that can score 90. I'm just going to be quite honest with you. It ain't a whole lot. Now, they may be about to score in the 80s, but to score 90, that's a lot. 90 points a game. That's a lot of points in college basketball. So Ferris is still doing that. Right behind them, 8-1 is Grand Valley Lakers. Okay, they still getting high level production out of Jake Van Tubergen, and they just they find a way to get it done. Uh, they beat uh, Wisconsin Parkside. They beat the brakes off them boys. They beat them by 36, 72 to 46. I mean, they put the spanking on them. They had me thinking that Parkside. I'm like, I thought Parkside had a good team. I thought they had a good team. I'm thinking last year they had some juniors, had a couple bigs, had a guard, shoot lights out. I thought Parkside was a pretty good team. And then Grand Valley just said, you know what? Y'all coming to, told you Allendale, you playing Grand Valley at Grand Valley, that's tough. That's tough. They tough to beat there. And, and Parkside found out because they got a spanking put, put, put to them. I mean, a flat out spanking. So they started out the GLIAC 2-0. Uh, with another win over Purdue Northwest, and Purdue Northwest is okay. They got a big that can that can get it done, 17-9. Juco kid that I really like, Jairus for reals. <laughs> if you're playing Purdue Northwest and you don't have a plan for Jairus Frills, I'm telling you, he's giving you 17-9 every game. 16-6, 19-8, every game unless you got a plan for him. Telling six 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 five and it's a tear for Purdue Northwest, even though the team isn't very good. Him and Anthony uh, Bernard, that's about all they got. They got no guards. That's that's it. But another team we've been talking about, Michigan Tech. Kyle Monroe is on his comeback tip. He said, "I'm back, man. I took the year off and I'm back, baby. That's what he's doing, man. He getting it done. He putting up 20, 25, 30. I mean, the guy is just a bucket. Point blank. Period." It's the best player in the GLIAC outside of Walter Kelser. Best player in the GLIAC. Two-time GLIAC player of the year. One or two times. He about to do it again. Top of the league right now. Top of the league. They 2-0. Uh, they beat Northwood and that other school. If you've been following the, the, my podcast, you know who that other school is. They beat them. And they beat Northwood. So, uh, and they put it to Northwood a little bit. But Michigan Tech, I mean, just playing them at home. They start off the league with two home games. I mean, beating them and holding this, like, there's certain GLIAC schools, there's just certain schools in general you just don't win at. And it's very tough. And when you get one of those wins, you circle it, you put a star by it, and going forward, you be like, man, December 19th, 2015, we beat them guys right here. You don't forget that date. 
You don't forget that day because it's hard to do. They want them schools that you just ain't beating at home. Like Grand Valley at home, you ain't beating them. Michigan Tech at home, you ain't beat Finley at home. I know they're not a GLIAC team anymore. You ain't beating them at home. It ain't going to happen. You have to play phenomenal. Now, sometimes even when you do play phenomenal, the ref's going to call three calls. Bang, bang, bang. You'd be like, really? Like, you really call a charge right there? They're just going to make sure it happens. But when you're a good team like that, and my surprising team, I'm going to tell you that my surprising team of the GLIAC so far is Lake State. Lake State had a really good showing this weekend. Start out 2-0, and it surprised me. Surprised me, but they're another team. When you play them at home, they get the rolling. Xander Okerlund, Glenn Lake can shoot the rock. He can shoot the rock. He can shoot. He can shoot it. Very good. Very, very, very good. Freshman. Uh, so look out for that freshman, Xander, Xander Oakland. If if you if you play Lake State and you're not running him up the three point line, good luck. He's gonna have. I think he made seven threes in the game this weekend. And she, keep my trees, Collins, or however you say his name. Uh, Gleak player of the week, twenty plus points a game, nine to ten rebounds. He's just a bully. He's a bully. Uh, we might talk about the Gleak bullies. He a Gleak bully. If he played in a, in a bigger conference, I don't know if he could bully guys like he tried to bully in the Gleak, but he a bully. And sometimes the bully gets buckets. The bully gets rebounds. The bully gets gets it done. And this weekend, him and Lake State, they got it done. So those are my top teams in the Gleak this week. Uh, Division one, Division one. So let's hop right into it. Let's talk about the Big Ten and the ACC Challenge. Not going to talk about all the games because these are two great conferences. To say one conference is better than the other, it's hard to do. But Michigan State just got pounded, straight pounded. I mean, straight pounded. I mean, Duke came into Michigan State, the Izzone, and Vernon Carey or Casey or whatever his name is, he bullied them boys. He was doing whatever he wanted to do. It was nothing Xavier Tillman could do. There was nothing Malik Hall could do. There was nothing. They couldn't do nothing with him. He was catching on the block. I mean, he two dribble and he time a hawk just... Yeah, when you got a guy that can do that, and you got Trey Jones coming off a ball screen, dishing it, throwing alley-oops, hitting threes from 30 feet. I mean, Duke looked like that team that has no business losing to Stephen F. Austin. Let's be, let's be clear. If you could go to Michigan State and win at Michigan State, you ain't got no business losing to Stephen A. Austin at the crib after winning 149 straight non-conference games. But we've talked about that before. But this was a different team. There's no way they play like this against Stephen Austin. It's no way. Uh, Vernon Casey must have got hurt. Or he must have turned an ankle or got in foul trouble. Or maybe the ref has something against him or something. I don't know. But they just absolutely just gave it to Michigan State. And here's my issue with Michigan State. We've talked about it before. If you've got a team that could be physical with them, they're not very big inside. Marcus Bingham is a string bean. Xavier Tillman, I mean, he's 6'6", six, six, maybe 6'7". Six, I mean, they don't have a legitimate big. They don't. Who's Michigan State's legitimate big right now? Exactly. So if you have a legitimate big like Vernon Carey, yeah, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be problems. So they're gonna struggle with Purdue. Purdue got two seven footers and a six nine. They bring off the bench. They might struggle against Purdue. They might struggle against Ohio State. That big boy Weeson from Ohio State, he a big bucket. And while we're talking about Ohio, speaking of Ohio State, it's a nice segue. They went in the North Carolina country 
and just made them look dirty. And the analysis was trying to say that Cole Anthony was sick, he doesn't feel good, and all of this jazz, except the, for the fact that Ohio State was just giving it to North Carolina. Straight giving it to them. Straight up. So they didn't play in two Big Ten games already. Ohio State gave it to them, and Michigan gave it to them. So what does that tell you about North Carolina? It tells you they're not a top team in the country. They're not a top 10 team. They're not. They're not. They're not. I mean, we, we, we saw it right in front of our TV. North Carolina is not a top 10 team in the country. They're not. Ohio State, if they not 10 or 11, they right there. They right there. Their guard tandem with DJ Carton and the boy uh, Dwayne Washington from Michigan, shout out to him. He went crazy at North Carolina. He was coming off ball screens, getting to the rim, step backs, hitting the open three. He playing his butt off for Ohio State. And I know there was a point where he was teetering, whether do I stay or do I go? And then all of a sudden, you see his minutes spike up last year. And when you go looking at it, it's like, because I'm looking, I'm like, Dwayne Washington needs to be playing on this team. And then his minutes start spiking up. And I was like, yeah, somebody must have had a conversation about him staying or going. Because now he's playing and he's playing well and he's playing at a high level. Him and DJ Carlton from Wisconsin, DJ is a bad boy. I saw him and Lauren Borman go at it, and boy, oh boy, he's good. He is good. North Carolina found out about them two boys, but the big fella inside, big fella, Ohio State, Caleb Weasel, I'm talking about big, big bucket. Now, from time to time, he's going to step out there and throw up a three. Hey, big fella, I'm, I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to tell you like this, man. I know you don't listen to my podcast. I don't ever want to see you shoot a three. Ever. Ever. Like, never. Like, not once in your basketball career should you be shooting a three. Understand? The game is transition. We got five step that are shooting threes, that are stepping out, and they're taking these shots. Big fella. Not you. Not you. Get your bread where it's buttered inside. And I like, I like seeing these back-to-the-basket bigs in college basketball because you're not seeing them in the NBA, which means that these guys are guys that are going to get drafted. These are guys that might go lottery, top four or five, because there's a lack of them. If you're a guard right now, and that's what's hurting Cassius Winston and guys like that, is that you a, you a guard, but like Trey Burke can barely make it in the NBA. Now, he started to make it for the Philadelphia Sixers, but you take the, the national player of the year, and he can barely make a roster. So, like, as a guard, as a point guard, there aren't many teams that need a point guard. They already got a young point guard. It's only one CP3. CP3 is mid-30s. He's 33, 34. Like, it ain't but one of him. Most of the most of the point guards in the NBA are really, really young. And not even point guards. It's guards in general. They're young. So if I'm in college and I play a guard position, you're going to have to be really special, really special to be considered one of the top guards in the draft and get drafted. That's why we still talk about LaMelo Ball. That's why we still talk about R.J. Hampton. Because even though they're wings, like, they ain't in college. So you might be, they might get a couple extra years out of those guys just because you can keep them in the tuck. Because who, right now, the guard position is so stacked in the NBA. When I'm telling you, it's not in the NBA. 
back to the basket bigs. So if I'm in college basketball right now, which I'm starting to see, I'm starting to see a lot of back to the basket bigs having some success. The big fella from Ohio State, he's getting down. The big fella from Purdue, I, I forget his name. I'm going to I'm have to do a little bit of research and get more names for you. But there are plenty of guys in the in the NCAA Division One basketball that are playing with their back to the basket and they getting buckets and they getting it done. So, shouts out to those teams and those guys. Uh, Ohio State for getting it done uh, in North Carolina, taking care of the Big Ten. Shouts out. And while we're still on the Big Ten ACC, uh, Michigan found their match. We talked about Michigan. They haven't played. A great schedule, even though they had great wins over North Carolina and a great win over Gonzaga. We were going to find out what they were really about against Louisville. And Louisville just put their prowess down. They, they held them to 18 points and a half. I mean, they really struggled offensively. You know, people try to tell me the reason why Michigan struggled offensively because they just couldn't make shots. But making shots is part of the game. And part of that is good defense. Uh, you can easily say, well, all the shots they missed weren't just open shots. I mean, there were defense attached to it. And Louisville just, just hunkered down. They said, you know what? We're going to show you what some ACC defense is like. And Michigan struggled. Michigan struggled. They couldn't make shots. And if Michigan can't make shots, I mean, it's not similar to, to B-Line. To B-Line, it really wasn't make shots. It was make threes. So when B-Line was here, if you couldn't make a three, those games, they struggled. Because they would shoot 25 to 28 threes. And if they weren't close to 40% the game, they weren't going to be in the game. But now, it's really about making shots, not necessarily threes. It's, it's, the, it's the pick and pop mid-range. It's the elbow shots. It's the dump downs. It's those shots. I mean, they were missing a lot of just easy shots. And, and because of good defense, too. And Louisville, they basically show why they're the number one team in the country. Because they can check. They can check. So if you can check, you got a chance. And I've always said that. If you're the number one team in the country defensively, you got a chance. Now, you might not be able to win a lot of games. But just being, I'm, I'm, talk, I'm not talking about being okay defensively. I'm talking about being the best. I'm talking about, there are still teams out there that think they could be great defensive teams. If you're a great defensive team, you have a chance. And with Louisville, they can check. They can check, and they got a lottery pick on their team. And he playing every bit of it. Okay, so if you if you play in Louisville right now and you ain't got no plan for that 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 big wing that's shooting shooting the blood out the ball, getting about 17 to 19 points a game, and it's gonna check you on the other end, you got a long night. And Louisville is legit. So Louisville is gonna be one of those teams that's gonna be top of the ACC this year. They might end up getting the number one seed because they can check. And if you can check, you got a chance. So we found out that Michigan really wasn't all that. We found out that they can be beat. They're not number four in the country. I always thought when the ranking came out, it was a little bit too high for Michigan. But they went on a run. They went on a dumb run. Beating two top ten teams in the same weekend is a good run. But you found out that they didn't beat the number one team in the country. It was close. They made a run. But they ain't beat them. So I thought they should have been ranked anywhere between 9 and 12, which is probably where they'll be ranked this week, which is probably a good ranking for them. Uh, kind of middle of the pack-ish. Uh, but they made a good run. They made a good run, but they got to be able to make shots. Got to be able to make shots, especially from the guard position. So I know Xavier Simpson hasn't been a great shooter for his career, but you, you have to make shots. You have to make, he has to make shots. Um, 
the other kid they bring off the bench, David Julius got to make shots. Brooks, they got those three guys right there are key to their offense. They have a pro-style offense. They move the ball, ball screen, uh, Mexico ball screen coverage. I don't want to get too much uh, a general. I want to stay general with it because ain't no telling who be watching my podcast. Uh, watch it now because we live with it, baby. Uh, but, but anyway, just want to make sure I keep it general for you guys. And that's just how Michigan and Louisville was this weekend. We found out what they was about. So we're going to stick with college basketball, uh, stay here on this segment. And I had one of my former uh, players call me this week, and he's doing uh, some research on uh, college basketball or just sports in general about um, black coaches and the rise and fall. And, you know, the numbers are down. It's not like uh, it used to be where you had prominent uh, head coaches in the game. So I wanted to touch that, and before I touched on that, I, I want to say that Jawan Howard being hired at Michigan is a big deal. And here's why it's a big deal. It's not because he was one of the Fab Five guys. It's not because uh, he was a great NBA player. It's not because he's Jawan Howard. It's because he's another black head coach in the Big Ten. And there aren't a lot of black head coaches in the Big Ten. I want to say he might be the only one. And in, at the Power Five schools, you don't find, and there aren't a lot of uh, black head coaches in head coaches' positions. It's not like the days when you had John Chaney, when you had John Thompson, when you had Tuppy Smith, and, and the list goes on. It's not like that anymore. And most of the prominent coaches now are assistant coaches or in, at, in, at the HBCU level. I mean, Lavelle Moulton is probably one of the best coaches in the country, and he's coaching at NC, you know, North Carolina A&T. He's one of the best coaches in the country. I'm telling you he is. I've seen the film. I've seen his teams. They're really good. I mean, right now they're 2-8 because they got to go a whole month and take L's just to support their program. So there are a lot of great coaches at the MEAC, uh, HBCU level, that need to get some chances. Need to get some chances. So Jawan Howard being hired at Michigan is a big deal. Him doing well is a big deal. And I'm going to tell you why. Because for guys... Back in the day, guys like Stan Heath that was uh, ended up being at Central Florida, did some time at Kent State. Guys like that, they had full assistants or full staffs that was black. So you have the opportunity. Well, if you move on, you can bring these guys along or they're able to get other jobs. So that's the thing that we're dealing with now. The reason why we don't have more black head coaches is because there aren't a whole lot of staffs that are all black as well. So Jawan Howard, so say if Michigan does really well, say Michigan does really well, they win a Big Ten title, they win a national championship in four or five years, and Sidney Washington decides, I want to go back to Western Michigan to be the head coach at Western Michigan. Well, it's up to guys like Sidney Washington when they get these jobs to hire younger black assistants, guys that come up in the game. So we need Jawan Howard at Michigan to do well. We need him to do well so that Howard Isley, who's also on staff, even though this is his first year coaching in college, three, four years down the line, he might be able to take another job somewhere at a mid-major level and hire, you know, a guy like whoever. You know what I'm just saying? Just be able to hire some more young black assistants that can do the same thing that they did. So that's the problem now is that the head coaches, they don't, the black head coaches don't have the power now that they used to. 
So we need guys like Jawan Howard to do well. We need guys like Anthony Grant to do well. He's at Dayton. He's in the third year at Dayton. And I'll tell you right now, they're going to be a number three or four seed in the tournament. They got two st- studs. They lost to Kansas in overtime at the Maui Invitational. Dayton got some studs. But I'm telling you, Anthony Grant can coach, man. He can coach. So we need guys like that to do well. Now, when he was at Alabama, he kind of struggled. He kind of struggled, couldn't get the support, did a couple years there, and then he's out of there. But he's able to turn Alabama into Dayton. And now you get to see, okay, can, can we keep the reels going? And he, he's, he's been rolling. He's been rolling. And they have a very good team. They have a very good team. They should do really well in the Atlantic 10 this year. Looking forward to watching Anthony Grant. But back to my topic about college basketball coaches, black coaches in, uh, for instance, because that's, you know, the, the business that I'm in. Um, the conversation I had with one of my former players, he was asking me, he was like, well, you know, I've talked to, you know, a coach in the SEC and I talked to a Division Three coach and I've talked to numerous coaches and he's like, you know, just tell me one thing that, you know, the black coaches struggle with. And for me, I know it's just always going to be a struggle because it's not about what you know. It's never about what you know. It's all about who you know and who you can recruit. So if you can get you some players, they're going to hire you. It ain't got nothing to do with X and O's. Nothing to do with X and O's, especially being an assistant coach. Not talking about being a head coach. Being an assistant coach is all about who you know and who you can recruit. If you can get players, that's what they need you to do. And I told them for me at a Division II level, it's a little bit different because you got to do more than just recruit. You got to do it all. You got to recruit. You got to camps. You got to fundraise. You got to do grades. You got to do workouts. You, you, you do everything. You do everything. You don't have the luxury to have three or four other coaches and three other GA guys and three other student managers to help you out. D2 level, you got to do it all. Division one level, a lot of black coaches get pegged at being a recruiter because that's what they get hired on to do because they got other coaches that can do whatever they need them to do. So going forward, in order for this bridge to get broken, in order for us to have more black head coaches in the game, we need guys like Jawan Howard to do really well, do really well. I mean, knock it out the park well so that Howard Isaac can get a job and he can hire some guys. So Sonny Washington can get a job and hire some guys. You know, I'm waiting for the day. I'm waiting for the day. I'm waiting for the day with assistant coach at Michigan State. I'm waiting. Coach Stevens, Dwayne Stevens, he's been at Michigan State 20 years. It's time for him to branch out and hire some younger guys. Groom them. You know, it's, I understand you want to be at Michigan State. And maybe Tom Izzo will pass it down to you when he retires. But it's time for him to branch out and hire some guys like us. Hire a smoke that's at Long Island, Brooklyn. Hire a guy like that. Bring him back to the Midwest. You know, hire Coach Dre that's out in Maryland. That brother can coach, too. That brother can coach. And they got some players in Maryland. And I wonder why. I know he in the lab with them. So, we need guys like Jawan Howard to do really well just so that we can get more black head coaches in the game or just more black coaches, period. Uh, there are a lot of black assistant coaches, so it's, it's not to say that we aren't involved in the game. We are. We do need more black head coaches, though. And we need the ones that are in the game to, to speak up because Lavelle Moton being stuck in uh, the MEAC is a travesty. It's a travesty to be wasting some of his great years down there when he easily can be playing, he could be coaching at a power five level, but that's coming. I've talked about Lavelle Moulton before. I'm a huge Lavelle Moulton fan, 
Not because he's a black coach, because they running some stuff. Go and look, go and look that team up. I mean, right now they're two and eight because they didn't lost a whole month because they didn't had to play Georgia and Virginia Tech and teams they ain't got no business playing. But I'm telling you, the man could coach. So just would like to see more black head coaches in the game. Hopefully uh, the tables will turn. And one thing that I said uh, to my player that interviewed me this week was that in the next 10 years, you have a lot of coaches between the ages of 60 and 72 years old. That's, that's pretty up there. I want to say it's at least, I'm talking about just Division I head coaches. There are at least 30 head coaches between the ages of 60 and 75. Well, in 10 years, they're going to be either almost too old to coach or they're going to be out the game. So who's next? Who's next? It's guys like Saudi Washington. It's guys like Lavelle Moten. It's guys like Anthony Grant. Hopefully he gets another big deal. Or he can just stay at Dayton and just dominate at Dayton. Because I know Shaka Smart is like, man, this Big 12 life is different. I wish I was back at VCU. Just, you know, back to the simple life, man. It's out here. It's tough. You know what I'm saying? So hopefully, you know, things will change going forward. So I want to introduce a new segment for you guys. It's called Home and Away. And I want to talk about guys from the Detroit metro area that play for college teams here around the metro Detroit area. And I want to talk about guys from here getting it done elsewhere. That's the away part. So we're going to start with the home part. And the first person I want to talk about is Dwight Burton, 6'2 guard. At Madonna, just this past week, he just scored a thousand points. Now, this is why that's key. He hasn't played four years at Madonna. He scored a thousand points at Madonna this year and last year. So that's a lot of points. He's averaging 24 points a game right now. As at one point this year, they were ranked number nine in the country. I mean, he's a bucket. He's a bucket. He's been a bucket since high school. He was in bucket at junior college when he went to Macomb Community College. And I tried my best to get him at, in the GLIAC level. Uh, I thought he would just tear the GLIAC up. I remember coaching against him in AAU, and he would just light my guards up. And I'm like, y'all just going to let – every time we see this guy, he gave us 30. I guarantee you. Every time he gave us a 30-piece with the, with the sauce on it. He's still giving out buckets. You might as well just call him buckets, Big Buckets Burton. But Dwight Burton is a bucket. So if you got a chance to watch Madonna, uh, they were ranked at one point this year. I know they lost uh, uh, pretty recently. And 6'2 guard, I mean, he's right-handed. He's irky-jerky. He can make the three. He's really good mid-range. He's a a scorer. He's a scorer. He's just one of those guys that can score. So don't ask him to play defense. Don't ask him to defend. Don't ask him to get a bunch of assists to make plays. He going to get you a bucket. That's what you need. He one of them guys when is the score is tied and you call the timeout to draw a play, you write his name on the board and say everybody else, find a way to get him the ball and move the hell out the way. Move. Give your best player the ball and tell everybody else to move. I'm like, okay. And that's how it should work. Uh, but Dwight Burton. Dwight Burton's been putting in work. A thousand points scored for him at Madonna. So shots out to Dwight Burton. Still getting buckets even at Madonna. So like I said, for my home and away segment, I'm not just going to talk about D1. Guys, you know how I do. So yeah, that's Dwight Burton. Big bucket Burton. Okay. Next on my list, Braylon Neely. Uh, guard out of uh, Wayne State. Played at Detroit Western. Uh, a 5'10 guard. He's second in the Gleag in scoring. 20.7 points per game. Uh, he's obviously their best player at the time. Darian Owens White is, is not playing due to an injury. And he's been he's been tearing up the Gliat. This is his first year. 
playing in GLIAC. He played two years at Oakland. Didn't quite work work well in the campy system for him. Uh, but being a small, skinny guard like he is, the GLIAC is a much better fit, and he can he can do and dodge and, and get it done. And for the most part, he's been getting it done so far for Wayne. Uh, they've been right there in the mix. Uh, they're not having a great season, but they're not having a bad season. They're just right there in the mix. They play fair, stay close. They fair beat them by like eight or nine. Um, I want to say they're they're middle of the pack of the GLIAC right now. Uh, but Braylon Neely, Braylon Neely's been balling. He's been balling. You want to pay attention to Braylon Neely, uh, guard out of Wayne State. Third on my list, Xavion Goodwin, 6'5 wing out of Schoolcraft. Now, Schoolcraft is ranked number four in the country uh, for Division II JUCOs here in the state of Michigan. They're still undefeated. And they just got two huge wins this weekend. They went out in New York and they beat the number ninth ranked team and the number six ranked team in the country. So their ranking is probably going to be up there. They probably will be either number one or number two team in the country. And Xavion Goodwin is a wing on that team. He's, he's added the, uh, the jump shot to his game. He's averaging around 12 and six. Uh, he's got some D1s calling for him. Uh, he played at Kentucky Wesley in his first year. And Kentucky Wesley is bad, man. Whew. I don't know what happened to Kentucky Wesley, but they bad. And um, he's, he's able to come back home, play that East English Village. So, I mean, he, he's still from the Detroit area. And they're getting it done. Corey McKendry, the head coach at Schoolcraft, is a really good friend of mine. We've coached together. And he, he's a good dude. He's a good dude. But he got some players over there. Carl Bo can play. Uh, DQ Cole can play. They got some players over there. You need to pay attention to Schoolcraft. I done told you coaches before, if you need some guards, this is the year. This is the year in the state of Michigan to go watch some JUCOs. And Xavion Goodwin, he's big, he's physical, he's athletic, he's 6'5". He's like a P.J. Tucker type. But he can, he can yeah, he's like a P.J. Tucker type because he can shoot it a little bit. And he just gets it done. And he's athletic too. So, you you know, you always like those guys at 6'5", that's athletic. So, Number four on my list, on my home and away segment, and we're talking about the home portion right here in the city. What up, dope? Number four, Xavier Hermes out of Oakland University. A 6'7 bruiser. 6'7, 260. He's a big boy. Point blank, period. He's a big boy. He ain't shooting a whole lot of threes. Even though he's shooting, I want to say 30% from three, not shooting a whole lot of them, shooting a few, making a couple. But he gets he gets it done in the paint. He gets it done in the paint for Oakland right now. I think they're five and five. Conference play is starting this week. Hasn't started yet. So we'll see the kind of factor he'll have in the Horizon League this year. I mean, his last two games, he was 22 and 12 and 26 and 9. His last two games. So he's been getting it done. He's been getting it done. And for Oakland to have any kind of chance this year, they need him at 20 and 10. 20 and 10 for them to be in the game. He has to have it. And if he ain't at 20 and 10, uh, yeah, they're going to struggle. They're going to struggle. That's just, you know, what it is. All right. Fifth on my list. And I'm going to name five guys from home and five guys from home that's away. That's why we call it home and away. And fifth on my list, I go back to the NAIA. And DeMarco Dickerson, 6'2 guard out of Loyola, 24 points a game as a senior. That's, that's some buckets, man. That's some buckets. They upset Madonna when they were ranked. He put 26 on Madonna, shut down Burden. I think he only had like 13 points. So uh, DeMarco Dixon, 6'2 guard uh, out of Siena Heights. Uh, he started out his career at Kalamazoo. He was the freshman of the year in that league. 
uh, D3 and then uh, end up having to play at Siena Heights. Uh, but he's just a, he's a scorer, man. He's a scorer. Uh, can really get to the basket, though. He's one of those guys. He getting layups. He getting layups, but he'll pull up in transition from three. He's got a good three-way game. And when I say three-way game, I mean guys that can get to the rim, guys that can pull up, and guys that can make a three. It's a three-way. He's got a good three-way game. Got a good three-way game. Probably need to work on his mid-range a little bit more, but his three-ball three and getting to the rim game is pretty good. So that's DeMarco Dickerson, Sienna Heights. Go check him out. So the next time Sienna Heights play Madonna, that might be a matchup you might want to go see because DeMarco Dickerson and Dwight Burton going at it might be a show. Now, let's talk about the away guys. Now, these are guys that are from here and they done went away to do big things. Number one on my list is Jaron Inglis out of Romulus High School. Jaron Inglis out of high school was kind of chubby, out of shape. And toward the end of his senior year, uh, he, he dedicated his health. Start, he, lost some, he lost some weight, got into the weight room. Um, I started recruiting him late when I was a D2 coach. And he had a really good run in the state tournament, really good run. They went to the Breslin. Um, they had a, a lot of really good wins. They beat Belleville. Um, they, they were really good. They beat Huron. They made a run. They made a run. And nobody was recruiting him. And I just couldn't I couldn't understand why. But I could because he's like 6'4". He's kind of flat, not very athletic. But he's just a player. He's just a player. And he went down to Ranger Community College, averaged about 12 points there. Now, that's a Division I college. Division I JUCO in Texas. Ranger Community College is one of the best junior colleges in the country. Division I. So he went to a high-level J.C., and they played in the national championship game. Not sure if they – I think they lost the national championship game. I think they lost to Vincennes. Not sure. Uh, yeah, I know they lost the championship game. I forgot who they played. Anyway, it was playing on TV. And he turned that into getting a deal at St. Bonaventure. And let me let y'all know what he's doing at St. Bonaventure. He playing at least 30 minutes a game. The last four games he's played, somehow he was hurt, didn't play early in the year. I get it. The last four games he didn't play, didn't play over 30 minutes a game. And he had 17 points in the win over Hostra last week. He's averaging 11 points per game for them. So coming right in as a freshman to average 11 points a game at Division 11 is pretty good. And to be playing 30 minutes a game, if you had told me last year that Jaron Inglis would be at a mid-major Division 1 playing 30 minutes a game and the team went four wins in a row, I would have called you dumb. Like, yeah, right. Jaron Inglis, nah. I mean, he could play, but... Like, D1 like that? I thought he'd be a really good GLIAC player, to be quite honest with you. And that's not a slight to his game. I just thought the way he plays his game, 6'3", 6'4", like, it's just a matchup problem. And he's getting it done at St. Bonaventure. So, you know, shouts out to Jaron English for transforming his body and going from a D2 prospect to getting major minutes on a Division I team. Second on my list is Harlan Beverly out of Southfield Christian, who's playing at the University of Miami. Now, he's played in all seven games for them. He hasn't started. He's averaging around nine or ten points per game. He did have a couple good games. He had 15 points when they played at Central Florida, UCF. So, I mean, he's in the rotation. And as a freshman, I don't care if you play Division I, Division II, NAIA. As a freshman, you want to be in the rotation. And he's in the rotation, and he's playing well. He's playing well for Miami. So, uh, like to see Harlan. Big H is what I call him. Uh, continue to get buckets and continue to play. Just be in the rotation. That's what you want. You want to be in the rotation as a freshman. So Harlem Beverly and Miami is another one that's getting it done. Third on my list is James Towns. 
That's enough. That's a name for you, ain't it? Lefty out of Detroit. Henry Ford won a state title at Henry Ford. He's at Niagara now. He's at Niagara now. He scored 872 points, I think. He'll probably surpass. <coughs> if he does the numbers that he's been doing, he'll probably surpass 1,000 points this season. Uh, he, he's been getting it done. I mean, he's averaging 15 points per game as a senior. He averaged 10 points a game as a junior. So uh, a lot of times you get these guys that go away and you forget about them. And James Towns, as a high school player, was a really good player. Like, these one of them guys is like, how does he end up at Niagara? Like, how? This is, more from, this is before Brian Smothers. Like, Brother Smothers walked in the door with a guy from Detroit. Like, I, okay, cool. I know him. I recruited him. Well, not really because I was at Michigan. But you get what I'm saying. Like, how does a guy like that get to Niagara? You know what I'm saying? Almost a thousand point score. He's from Detroit, Henry Ford. Like, that should have never happened, but that's another topic. And we've talked about it before. He's had a season high 26 points at Colgate this year. And like I said, he's going to surpass 1,000 points this year. And when he does, I'm going to congratulate him because I like the kid. He's the, I don't know if you, you, you remember the viral sensation he was on, on Twitter when he was seasoning the chicken. He's that guy. So. Just look it up. Just, just look it up. Trust me. It's, it's one of those Twitter moments of the decade. He's the Detroit version. I think they got the Detroit version of he, he that. He the season in the chicken guy. So, anyway, he got game. Lefty, he got game. And he's getting buckets for Niagara. Fourth on my list. Fourth and fifth on my list are teammates. We got two Detroit kids that are teammates nowhere near here. They both play at the University of Las Vegas. And one of those guys is Donnie Tillman. Donnie Tillman played at Cass Tech for a year or two. Then he transferred to Finley Prep for his last two years. And he's had a pretty solid – he had a solid career at Utah. Uh, he's a junior now. He played two years at Utah. He's, he was immediately eligible because his mom lives in UNLV. I mean, he lives in Las Vegas, so he's able to transfer and all that other stuff and be eligible. But he's averaging 12-5 and five this year. And he's having a pretty good season for him. So Donnie Tillman is getting it done at UNLV. I want to say his best game this year, he had 28 points at Ferris, not Ferris State, Fresno State. He put 20, 28 on Fresno, 20 on Fresno. So those are big numbers. Uh, but another guard on that team, Amari Hardy. Amari Hardy is a guard. He went to uh, North Farmington High School, played four years there. He's a lefty, same class as, as Donnie. They're both juniors, uh, but he's averaging 17 and four. So he got two Detroit guys, both averaging double figures on the same team. His season high was 27 points against Kansas State. Uh, so both of these guys, they're getting it done. They're getting it done. They're from the city. What up, though? You know what I'm saying? Matter of fact, I ran into his pops uh, last week at the airport because that's my second job. I work at the airport. So I had, I had a chance to highlight his pops a little bit. They told me how Vegas was. He enjoying watching the play because his younger brother got mad. His young, younger brother going to be better than him. Jaden ain't going to be a pro. Jaden going to be pro. And not to say Amari can't be a pro because, I mean, he keep putting up numbers like this. I mean, he got a chance. I mean, because he's long, he's lanky, about 6'4", six, 6'5", six, a guard. He can handle it, shoot it. I mean, you athletic, you got a chance. But what I talked about the NBA and guards, it's just, it's, it's tough. It's tough. It's really tough for the guard position in the NBA. So, uh, so those those are my home and away, guys. I'm going to try to cover more players uh, come in the next coming weeks about guys that's, that's playing basketball from here and away home and away segment that's it 
Yeah, you know how we do. It's your coach and those hoops the most. We back. You know I got to talk about high school before we get up out of here this week. Uh, kind of got under the weather, so it took me a couple days to get this out. But it's all good in the hood, man. You know, we gonna, we gonna make it. We gonna make it how we gonna do it. You know what I'm saying? Like Jake just said, we gonna make it. We gonna make it. So I'm back. I'm back on my, my Grizzly. You know, uh, we had the... The MC Tip-Off Classic happening this week, uh, Monday and Tuesday. Uh, and it was the Mighty Bates Show. And everybody was there. Everybody was there. The highlight game was Ypsilanti versus River Rouge. That was the highlight game. It was at Eastern Michigan University. And everybody was there. Jawan Howard was there. Jalen Rose was there. Izzo was there. Dwayne Stevens, my man Smoke, he was there. Uh, you had coaches from CMU. They was there. Uh, Eastern, Western. like Everybody that you thought of. College coaching wise, or just influencing why my main man Chep, he was there front row. I mean, it was a show. It was a show. Everybody want to come and see Amani. And I want to say they're playing three games at the Eastern uh, Con- Convention Center. I forget, Convocation, oh, I forget what it's called. But I think he's playing three games this year, and I guarantee all three of those are going to be sold out. I, I got to see the kid live. I haven't seen him live uh, just because I've just been so busy with other things, I haven't had a chance to see him live. So I want to see him live. Uh, but I'll tell you this, River Roots got his number. River Roots has his number. He can't be, he on two against River Roots because they beat him up last year. If physical, you know, uh, Legend Jeter stole the show. Legend Jeter, 6'8", out of River Roots, uh, four man, five man out of there. In the last 48 hours, he's picked up seven offers because he was the highlight of the show. I mean, he even had one highlight dunk when he ripped through. Guy goes for the shield, ripped through, baseline, two-hand dunk. Bam! Yeah, he's legit. He's legit. He can easily play in the mat. And I don't know why coaches are just now seeing that he can play because he was doing the same stuff last year uh, when Rose went to the state championship game. But the kid can play, man. The kid can play. Uh, he, he was the MVP of the night. He had 19 points. Uh, Amani struggled a little bit. He struggled. The thing you got to understand about Amani is, is everybody's gunning for him and everybody has high, high, very high expectations. The kid is just a sophomore at the end of the day. Now, he's 6'9", and he can get down, and I think he warrants some of that because, you know, when he goes crazy, he goes crazy. He's yelling, he's screaming, ah, yeah, what y'all going to do? So, I mean, he's very emotional. So, I mean, that, that makes that for every single game on your schedule, you know people going to be coming at you, especially River Rouge, a team like that. And they, they basically handed it to him. He struggled, uh, as as a, a, a sophomore can and will do at times. But that's not to say that he can't play. That's not to say he's overrated. He's still the number one player in the country. Let's let's be clear. He's number one in the country. He can have an off night. He's a sophomore. He can have an off night. So, especially winning the state championship as a freshman, you don't think everybody in the state of Michigan like, man, the Mighty Bates ain't beating us this year. Nope, not going to be able to do it. As Jalen Rose would say, not going to be able to do it. So uh, River Rouge had the game plan. Uh, they was physical with him. They, did, they didn't let him get to his spots. They contested all his shots. And uh, they played him well, and they won the game. So shouts out to River Rouge for beating Ypsilanti Lincoln in the showcase game of the Ipsy Tip-Off Classic. You had a couple other games. Uh, Detroit King beat uh, Chandler Park Academy. <clears throat> Huron, Ann Arbor Huron beat Detroit Edison 53-50. Uh, Huron is a team to watch. Huron is a team to watch 
They've got a few the few guys over there, Devin Womack, Julian Lewis. They they're gonna have a good team this year. And in Class A Division One, they're gonna be right there because Down River is not a whole lot of teams Down River they gotta go through. So they're gonna have a I wouldn't say an easy pass, but to get to the quarterfinals, they're not gonna have a, a great competition to get there. So they'll be able to make a good run come tournament time. And Detroit Edison is a good team, Division Three team. They won a state championship a couple years ago. And uh, Bryce George is a prospect on that team. I don't know why uh, a, a Mac school hasn't picked him up. I don't know why uh, a Gleak school hasn't picked him up because he's every bit of a double-double. He's every bit of it. Every bit of a double-double every time he plays. And he can stretch the floor, too. He can shoot it. Uh, so, you know, Bryce George is a player you want to watch for Detroit Edison. But Huron, Huron was able to edge them out 53-50. to 50. And <clears throat> the game I wanted to highlight, the, well, I won't say the most, uh, but the most intriguing player outside of Amani Bates and Legend Jeter for River Rouge uh, was Pierre Brooks II. Pierre Brooks II. They play Wayne Memorial, who uh, traditionally have a good team every year. They're ranked in the top 25, uh, coached by uh, Nawai Young. And Fred D put it to him. Fred D put it to him, and Pierre put on a show. He put on a show in front of Tom Izzo. He put on a show in front of Juwan. Juwan looking like... I don't know. I mean, like, he, he looking almost five-starish to me. Um, so, Pierre Brooks, man. Pierre Brooks is going to have an outstanding year this year. I, I would not be surprised if Frederick Douglass uh, is right there in the mix in the city championship game for the PSL. Would not be surprised if they make a run in the state class. I mean, I think it's uh, Division three or four. Would not be surprised. because he not only, not only did Pierre put on a show, uh, but Donovan People shot the ball well. Uh, McClendon, McClendon made some plays. So, I mean, they got some pieces now. It ain't just the Pierre Brooks show. They got some pieces, and they've been in the lab, and they've been working. And th this team reminds me of the Henry Ford team that won the state championship, I want to say, in 2015. I want to say it's 2015, where they just stayed in the lab. They stayed in the lab. They kept their nose clean, and they get all the way to the state finals, and nobody beat them. Just because they just stayed in the lab, they got better. Frederick Douglass reminds me of that team. They can make that kind of run. And you heard it here first. You heard it here first. They're going to make that kind of run this year in the state tournament. So that's the, the MC tip-off classic this week that happened. Uh, a lot of good games and a lot of good people playing. So this past weekend, uh, we had a dedication of uh, <clears throat> a very good player, being inducted to the Hall of Fame uh, at Ferndale. Uh, probably the best card I've ever seen, without a doubt. It's not even close. Uh, Rashad Phillips. Rashad Phillips, he was uh, ded dedicated to the Wall of Fame at Ferndale High School this past weekend. And it was good to see all his teammates showed up. Uh, he spoke at halftime in between games. Like they played like a charity game. Uh, they played against Ann Arbor Huron, actually. And, you know, they dedicated the wall to him. Uh, him and Dwayne Stevenson are only two Eagles uh, that are dedicated on the wall. And the one thing about Rashad Phillips, I know right now he's doing his sports talk uh, analyst show. And he talks a lot of stuff on Twitter and things of that sort. But when it comes to the just just the basketball part, now we're not going to talk about his opinion. We're going to talk about when he played. When he played, he was the baddest guard around. And it wasn't even close. It was not even close. I didn't see him put up 40, 50, 60 on cats. Like it was nothing. I mean, and then nobody could guard him. I mean, even when he went to UAD, I mean, he was two-time player of the year. And he was the national six feet and under player of the year as well. 
it's just that he had the cornrows and, you know, Iverson was doing his thing in the NBA and they didn't want another Iverson. That's just, they, just, they didn't want another Iverson. But with Sha Phillips, easily, easily the best guard I have ever seen. Okay? He was Steph Curry before Steph Curry. Now, you're probably saying that's a little bit of a stretch, but it's not. It really isn't. When he was playing, being a scoring, shooting point guard was kind of frowned upon. There wasn't a whole lot of people doing it. They wanted your point guards to be traditional, get some assists, score when you need to, but to be dropping 30 on cats, like, nah, we kind of want somebody else to do that. And even Perry Watson uh, tried to hold him back, but he couldn't. Because it's like, how can you stop a guy that's giving you 27 points a game? How are you going to hold a guy back that scored 23,019 points in his career? All-time leading scorer in Detroit Mercy's history. You can't stop a guy like that. At Calais Hall, he didn't miss. He could pull up anywhere in front of half court. He's he nailing it. He was Steph Curry before Steph Curry. And I'm not saying that because my, that's my homie. I'm saying it because I saw it with my two eyes. I was at the games. I was at the workouts. I was at St. Rita's. I was with V. I was with Mark. I was on those buses when we went to the games. Rashad Phillips was easily the best guard I've ever seen. And we start talking about the best players that I've ever seen. I want to segue into uh, one of my segments that we're going to do this week in the high school in is the Flame Nick Six. The Flame Nick Six. So the Flame Nick Six is the six best players that I've ever seen. Right? Because when you get to talking about basketball players, sometimes you, you might talk about a guy you haven't actually seen. I'm going to talk about PSL players that I've actually seen multiple times, guys I've guarded, guys I've played against. These are guys that I've actually seen. But before I get to my Flame Nick Six, I want to give a shout out to Rashad Phillips for getting the wall dedication at Ferndale. Long time overdue. Uh, so yeah, shout out to him for, for being getting the wall dedication and big things to come for Rashad Phillips coming forward. As he would like to say, we'll talk soon. So... My Flame Nick Six, my Flame Nick Six. These are six guys who I think were the best players I've ever seen to play in the PSL, the public school league in the city. The first one I'm going to go with is Antonio Gates. 6'4", out of Central, played, I don't know, 15 years in the NFL, went to the Sweet 16 at Kent State. And Antonio Gates was unguardable. Because he was too big for a guard and he was too crafty for big. Like he was really a stretch four before stretch fours became popular because he would bring the ball up the court. Now, of course, Jimmy Twyman, who was other the guard on the team, he would bring the ball up sometime. But a lot of times Antonio Gates would get off the glass and he would go. So like he was he was that point forward type of player and you couldn't stop him. He's getting to the rim. He's shooting threes with the left hand. He putting you on the box. I mean, I, I recall one time we played them at Central. Not one of my proudest moments, but hey, it happens. I always tell people like this. If you haven't been embarrassed in a basketball game, you ain't played the highest competition. If you ain't never been dunked on, you ain't, you ain't, you ain't really played until you got dunked on. That's a lot of people say, oh, I ain't never get dunked on. Well, I guess you ain't played the highest, the best players ever because it's going to happen. So anyway, we're playing Central at Central my junior year. 
and I'm guarding Gates. So before we even play this game, the scouting report was, all right, Nick, you gonna guard Gates. And I'm like, how? How do you want me to guard Gates? He got me about two inches and almost 100 pounds. How would you like me to guard him? It's like, don't worry about that. You just just get it done, son. As uh, Shannon, Shannon was, son, you wanna play? <laughs> if you wanna play, you guard Gates. So I guess I was guarding Gates. So he's coming down the court, right side of the floor, and I totally forgot he was left-handed. Like, I just had a, I had a moment, I forgot he was left-handed, hits you with the in and out with the left. Uh-oh, I jumped to the left, no, and I knew this was this was not gonna end well. I jumped to the left, he goes by me, and all of a sudden I just hear, boom! And the whole NFL was on the floor. Now, when I say the NFL, I don't mean football players. If you're from Detroit, you know what NFL means. The L is for Linwood. But anyway, uh, the whole, the whole, everybody was on the court. The ref called a foul, wasn't a foul. Uh, I mean, I did get dunked on. Yeah, Gates did dunk on me, but whatever. It's one of the best tight ends ever. It happens. Wasn't the, wasn't the last time I got dunked on either. Uh, but Antonio Gates, Antonio Gates was really a stretch four before stretch fours were possible. He really was. He really was. He made he made the game easier because he could pass it. He got guys open. He could create. And he was a big body. So it was just like, how how you really trying to guard this guy? Uh, I don't think his game would have transitioned into the pro game, uh, which is part of the reason why he played uh, football in the NFL. Uh, he was much more built to be a football player. But in high school, he was an All-American football player. So it wasn't like he just played, he played football and just didn't play at Kent State and just end up in NFL because he's a great athlete. Now, he is a great athlete. However, he was also a great football player. So Antonio Gates, top of my list. And, and no, this is no um, no order. No order. But these are six guys who I think were the best players I've ever seen. So that's number one. Number two, Winfred Walton, Detroit Persian. 6'8", can handle it, can shoot it. He really was mellow before mellow. Winfred Walton was mellow before mellow. He was an absolute bucket. And there wasn't nothing you could do about it. And he was 6'8". He could handle it like a guard. He could shoot it like a guard. And he had wiggle, too. And if he put a little, uh, you put a little guard on it, he put you on the box. Wimp had game. Okay? I want to say he scored 27 points in the McDonald's All-Star game. It just so happened he goes out to Fre Fresno State and some things transpired and didn't have a great career there. Uh, but... I mean, if he, if 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 he had did what he was supposed to do at Fresno State, he he, he could have easily have been in the league. He was mellow. He was mellow. Carmelo. He was Carmelo before Carmelo Anthony. That's who Winfrey Walton was. So if you don't know who Wimp was, I mean, you just didn't grow up in my era of basketball. My era of basketball in the PSL, you're talking mid-90s, talking early 90s, basically the 90s. 90s, early 2000s, that's my era of PSL basketball. So this is where I'm drawing these players from. I'm drawing them from the mid-90s all the way up until maybe the 2000s here. But Wimp, Wimp was a certified bucket. Nobody was guarding Wimp. And whenever, whenever he saw Sylvester Dodson at Cooley, he gave him 30. That's what they beat in the city championship too, uh, Joe Louis Arena. I remember, I remember going to that game, and he just made him look silly, absolutely silly. Uh, those gold jerseys. So, Winfrey Walton. Winfrey Walton is on my list. Uh, number three on my list, Sidney Mitchell. Sidney Mitchell, Detroit Denby. Prob he, was, he, he had a rip type of game to him. And he was just uh, creating some steam for himself. Uh, he was starting to get some national attention. Uh, he was getting interest from Michigan. Starting getting mid-major offers. And 
you know, things didn't turn out that well uh, for Sidney Mitchell. But just the basketball-wise, I mean, Detroit Denby in 97 was a really, really good team. Really good team. If I think they won the city championship in 96 or 97. I think they beat King. But uh, Sidney Mitchell was one of those guards. He was a mid-range ma- mid master. I'm talking floaters. I'm talking pull-ups. I'm talking about the one-legged stuff that you see Steph Curry. He was doing that. He was doing all of that. All of it. And then after he made the shot, he was picking you up full court. And he was going to let you know about it. And he was going to check. See, that's the thing about these guards nowadays. These guards nowadays, they'll score, and then they're going to be the first guy down the floor. The guys in my era, they're going to score, and then they're going to get up in your face. They're going to check. They're going to check. They're going to get right into your grill. Like, yeah, I scored on you, and you're not going to score on me either. Which is, you know, why I like my era of basketball, because guys check. But Sidney Mitchell, uh, Sidney Mitchell, unfortunately, he passed away um, during his, during his uh, senior year in high school. Uh, but, I mean, bef- before then, he was one hell of a basketball player. One hell of a basketball player for Detroit Denby. It's a soft spot for a lot of people that played uh, and worked and, and and spent time with him. I, I remember my dad spent time with him in the hospital. He just said it just doesn't look good for him. Um, so it's it's a it's a it's a tough spot for a lot of people here in the city of Michigan because he just had so much promise and he was such a great basketball player. I mean, if the if the city of Detroit, the PSL was to do a thirty for thirty. The 30 for 30 should be done on Sidney Mitchell. Now, a lot of people probably wouldn't give up the information you would need to do it, but Sidney Mitchell was that guy. Next on my list, number four, Ricky Paulding. Ricky Paulding, Detroit Renaissance, 6'4 guard, uh, ended up playing at Missouri. I mean, he, he, he made Renaissance, he put Mark White on the map. Let's, this is be, let's just be clear. He put Mark White on the map. He made people want to go to Renaissance. Because Ricky Paulding was a show. Ricky Paulding was a show. He was athletic. He'll dunk on you down the lane. He'll make the three. He, I mean, he was a show. He was an absolute show. And even though Mark White really didn't play an up-tempo game like that um, when, it, when he had Malik and Joe, but when he had Ricky, I mean, it was just him and, and Joe Carr. So, like, really didn't have a whole lot of pieces there in 2000. But Ricky Paulden was an absolute show. I remember seeing them at Callahan Hall. They played Orchard Lake St. Mary's, and he dunked on a dude so bad. That might have been one of the best high school dunks I've ever seen. He damn near cleared the guy, like Jordan style. Just, yeah, Ricky Paulden, Ricky Paulden was nasty. And I got a mark on my arm, and that's part of the reason why I probably would never forget who Ricky Paulden is. I was playing against Ricky in the open gym at Renaissance one year. I was I was in college, so I was feeling good. I was going to come back and play against the high school kids, show them that, you know, I got a little game now. And uh, one of the rims didn't have padding underneath. So, uh, I, you know, I could dunk now. I, didn't, I wasn't able to dunk in high school, so I could dunk a little bit now. So there, there's a play in the fast court. I'm about to go up for a dunk, and here comes Ricky Paulden. And he, not only does he block the dunk, but my arm scrapes against the backboard and I'm bleeding everywhere. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, nah, man, I'm about to get back in the game. They look at me like, is you crazy? Like you got a gash on your arm man. you need to go to the crib. You need to, matter of fact, you need to go to the ER. I'm like, man, I ain't going to the ER. So Coach White was just like, I mean, you guys sit down. You can't play no more. I was like, what you mean? You can't, I can't play no more. Say, like, my man, you bleeding profusely. Like you cannot play anymore. So 
The Kim thing to do would be to wrap it up and to go hoop somewhere else. <laughs> so I wrapped it up. I went to St. Rita's in the hoop. And Mark was like, why your, your arm all bloody like that? I said, ah, don't worry about this. It's just a little, little scratch. A little scratch. And uh, I put some butterfly uh, band-aids on it and called it a day. But Ricky Paulden. Ricky Paulden was a show for Detroit Renaissance. He, he started the trend for guys wanting to go there and be high-level players and do great things. Next on my list, Manny Harris, Detroit Redford, 6'6 guard, ended up playing at Michigan. The thing about Manny, Manny was a do-it-all guard, which means if, if he would get to the free throw line, he would occasionally make a three, but he was just tough. He just didn't want his team to lose. And if he needed to score 50 for them to win, he would score 50. If he needed to score 25, and get 15 rebounds and get nine assists. He was doing that. He was going to do whatever it took for his team to win. Whatever it took. Whatever it took. And I saw him on multiple occasions. He this is this is this is what made Manny Harris a top player for me. I seen I saw Manny drop 50, the easiest 50 I've ever seen. Easy. Now the team was trash. Granted, the team was trash. Holiday classic game. Team wasn't very good. But we just sitting there watching the game, and I'm like, okay, that's a layup. Okay, that's a putback. Okay, that's a three. Like, oh, that's he got seven points already. Okay, cool. Oh, he got fouled. Okay, that's two points there. Oh, man, he got a dunk. All right, it's 11. And in the th- end of the first quarter, like, oh, Manny Harris, 12 points. Like, oh, like, he keeps this up. He'll score 50. Second quarter, layup, three, dunk, couple free throws, layup, mid-range. I'm, we, we watching, and I'm like, Man, let's go check the stats. See what he got at halftime. 25 points. I said, man, if he keep this up, he's scoring 50. And he kept it up. Like, he literally, you, you know, you, you would tell people, like, you know, if he scored 12 points a quarter, that's 48 points. It's like, man, that's really not a lot. That's exactly what it did. He scored 12 points each quarter. I want to say he scored 14 in the fourth. And he ended up with 50. And we just sitting there like, that's, that's got to be the easiest 50 points I've ever seen. It was putbacks. It was getting to the free throw line. It was layups. It was threes. I mean, Manny took a team. Uh, I wouldn't say nobody's because Jerome Tyson was a really good guard on that team. And uh, Wolf was a good player on that team. They go all the way to the state championship game. And they just couldn't beat Draymond Green and Saginaw High. But he was every bit. I mean, Manny Harris was probably one of the best players ever to come out of the PSL. After, we'll say after 95. We'll say post-95, Manny Harris was one of the best players to come out of the PSL. Yep, I said it. I said it. I did. Manny Harris was that good. He was that good. I remember I was a sophomore going into this junior year. We used to have these runs at Redford. And Coach Flowers would be like, man, come up here and hoop. So me, Moby, Hollywood, OZ, we'd go up there and we'd hoop. And uh, he was like, man, y'all mind if my little young dog play? we like, no, he could play. And uh, young dog is getting down. we like, who is this guy? Talk about young blood. This kid can play. He good. And and we thinking to ourselves, like, hold on, bro. Like, we grown. Like, we played college. We played overseas. Like, we grown. This kid a sophomore, and he's still getting down like that? Like, wow, that's saying something. So, Manny Harris. Manny Harris was, was like I said, one of the best players to come out of PSL. And last on my list is a guy nobody has probably thought about. Uh, a guy I watched a lot at Detroit City. Mike Williams, Mike Williams, 6'9". He was before his time. He was before his time because he was skinny as a rail. So he was like, he looked like Kevin Durant. He was skinny as all hell. 
But when I tell you this dude was a bucket, oh my goodness. I mean, he really, he had a Kevin Durant kind of game in high school. He did. And uh, Coach uh, Shahid at the time would just let him go. He just let him play, man. Play your game. Go ahead. And he ended up playing at um, Western Michigan, played four years there, had a trial for the New York Knicks. And his, he just didn't have, didn't have the body type uh, to play in the NBA. Uh, and this was the time where uh, skinny guys were kind of frowned upon like that. But he was a 6'9 guard. He was a 6'9 guard. And he was different from Wimp. Because he just wasn't big. He wasn't big, but I mean, he'd come down and he'd pull it from 30 feet on you in a hot second. You're like, man, who's this big old tall guy pulling it up a transition like that? Mike Williams was nice like that. He was nice. He put, he put Detroit City on the map. They went to a couple uh, state championship games. Not sure if they won. They might have won one of them. Uh, but Mike Williams, Mike Williams was very, very good. Very, very good. So uh, that's my Flame Nick Six. There are a couple honorable mention guys that I could have talked about. Guys like Justin Hall. Could have talked about him, Tawan Porter, Eric Evans. There are a few guys I could have talked about, but uh, these are the guys I wanted to talk about. The, 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 the best players I've ever seen with my own two eyes were these six guys. So it's a wrap, baby, like Christmas. I mean, it is Christmas time, so you're going to be wrapping gifts and all that. But it's a wrap for this week's episode. It took me a couple days to get it out, but it's finally out. You can hear it. I'm um, going to be giving you more content as uh, the games start picking up college-wise, high school-wise. We got some games this weekend. I'm going to try to check out, take my son to a couple games. His birthday is Sunday, so try to take him to a game on Saturday. We'll see how that works. But, yeah, it's a wrap for this week, man. I appreciate you guys for listening in and coming back every single week to hear me talk about some hoops. But it's your coach that knows hoops the most, and I'm going to holla at your player. Peace. He's that dude, too cool, so smooth with the hoop news. Every week we talking hoops, this is season two. So buckle up for this ride, that's what you need to do. Cause we talking hoops, yeah.